Konnichiwa, my friends. Thanks for tuning in to Master Samurai Tech Radio. This is a podcast vodcast by Appliance Techs for Appliance Techs. And today is July 4th, 2016. Mm-hmm. This is episode 17. It's our Independence Day edition. Yeah. While you guys are out there grilling burgers and dogs and sipping back cold ones, we're here making a podcast. <laughs> so, Working for you. That's right. And, and we love it. So yes. we're your hosts, Samurai Appliance Repairman. And Mrs. Samurai, and we run MasterSamuraiTech.com and Appliantology.org. Yep, and you can subscribe to this podcast, the audio feed, at iTunes. You can also watch the vodcast recordings over at our YouTube channel, which is at mm-hmm. MasterSamuraiTech.tv. MasterSamuraiTech.tv. Yeah. So we got a lineup today. We do. Yeah, We've accumulated lots of good stuff. That's right, we do. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, tell people what we got coming up, what we're going to be talking about today, uh, sort of give them like a, an audio-visual table of contents. First thing we get, we're going to do, be talking about is industry news. We haven't done that mm-hmm. in a little bit. So we'll, we've got some industry news to share with everybody. We're also going to be talking about firing your customer. Yes, something I think uh, most of us have had to do at some point. And it's rare, also, but it's important. It to is. Do it is. And occasionally. Unfortunately, fortunately, it's also rare. Yeah. Um, we're also going to be talking about dealing with unreasonable customers. Uh, we've had some questions about that. And then finally, we've got some Master Samurai Tech news to share with you guys. Just a short mm-hmm. little section on that. So let's kick it off with industry news. I think you got some good yes. stuff for us today, Miss Samurai. I popular request. Yes. So the first tidbit, it actually is one of the first industry news stories we covered when we started this podcast, and this has to do with GE Appliances, which originally Electrolux, they were going to merge with them, and that got shot down. But yep. now the deal with Hire, the Chinese appliance company, has it was approved, and it finalized last month in June of 2016. So this is the whole 12,000-person GE Appliance Park is no longer affiliated with General Electric but is now owned by Hire. A Chinese-owned um, company. Yes. Old and for those, right, for those who don't know, because Hire doesn't have a huge uh, market share in this country yet, at least not with the, the larger, you know, major appliances, but they are uh, the largest appliance brand in the world, uh, have 10% of market share globally. So definitely a force to be reckoned with. And this article basically is all about how Nothing's really going to change, at least not in the short term. Yeah. Uh, that's the typical PR you always get. You know, the management's going to stay the same. Their commitment to quality and, and customer service will stay the same. Um, but from a servicer standpoint, uh, our big concern is mm-hmm. will we continue to have access to technical manuals, literature, and that we can get currently at the GE servicer site? Um, you can download service manuals. You, it's a paid annual subscription, but if you're a servicer, you can pay the fee and access manuals. Very important, especially like getting schematics and mini manuals and things for various right. GE products. Well, there's so many GE products out there. Right. Yeah. right. Well, plus with Hire, you cannot get any manuals for Hire unless you are a Hire authorized warranty servicer. LG has the same mentality. They used to make it yeah. where you can LG Tech Assist and you could, if you're a servicer, val- validated, you could have access to their manuals. No more. Well, I don't know if Hire is going to implement this same policy now with GE, now that they're the new owners of GE. So are we going to be cut off from being able to get technical literature right. for GE products? 
And that would really be a bummer because there's a ton of GE products out there. It's mm -hmm. a huge market. And without the schematics and technical information, you're pretty much flying blind because forget about it being on the appliance. And right. you've got to have it, you've got to be able to have it on your iPad to, to pre-diagnose and all of the other things that we talk about. Right. And it's, it's kind of a side point, but I'm, I'm hoping that these sort of experiments some companies are doing like LG with cutting off information will not pan out well for them so that they'll stop. I hope it's going to backfire. And, well, a lot of companies have figured this out already. Whirlpool, you can, you can, you can subscribe to their service or site, uh, Service Matters. Uh, Frigidaire, you can subscribe to their site. Um, if you're a servicer, you can get access to So a lot of companies have already figured this out. And then you've right. got some of the companies, particularly seems to be the Asian ones, LG and higher now, um, mm -hmm. who you just cannot get them. Samsung's difficult to get, but they're supposedly making strides to try to open up right. access That's to their information. We, we hear from the guys. Yet, but, yeah. Yeah. But, well, and, and it seems so what we're hoping is that the American management of GE appliances will prevail. Is, <laughs> right. We'll tell them yeah. that this is how we do things here in America. Yeah. We, <laughs> You're going to, if you, you got no market share now, just wait until servicers start bad mouthing higher because telling people don't buy higher because you can't, we can't get right. the, the technical manuals to be able to fix the thing for you. This is what I know a lot of services like at Appliantology, this conversation went on with, with LG when they cut everybody off. All these servicers now are telling people, do not buy LG. It may be an okay product in some cases, but you, if you can't get the technical information, you're not going to be able to troubleshoot it and repair right. it. So don't, don't buy it. That's a good reason not to buy right. that stuff. So it will be interesting uh, to see how all of this plays out with higher now owning GE appliances mm -hmm. over the next few years. They've got to negotiate a new labor contract with the union. Yeah. Yeah, so all the little happy talk in the article, yeah. we'll see. We'll revisit there, it. There's housekeeping moving in to do. So what else we got? Yeah, yeah. Next up, Wolf ranges, uh, you know, Sub-Zero sub Wolf, mm -hmm. high-end stuff. Mm -hmm. They've introduced their first induction range uh, at a recent design show. So they their ranges used to combine a gas cooktop with their dual convection range. Now they have the induction cooktop. So it's just showing us that induction cooking is probably here to stay. It's gaining in popularity because it's right. very gonna, um, So services are going to start seeing more and more of these in their calls. So induction in just a fad, it looks like now you got companies like Sub-Zero offer, offering uh, induction cooktops through their cooking line, Wolf, offering this to mm -hmm. high-end customers. We're going to start getting calls on these. Unfortunately, most of the induction cooktops that I've dealt with, um, they may be nice from a customer usability st uh, standpoint, but they are they tend to be nightmares to work on. All electronics and troubleshooting is a nightmare. Replacing the boards, uh, particularly like, like on the uh, Electrolux, is one of recent experience. Real nightmare to get it all right. You get one little thing wrong, the whole thing won't work again. Mm. Pretty much anything goes wrong with them, you just replace all the electronics. Because yeah. that's kind of the, unless they've got anything dialed in and, and broken out and able to uh, troubleshoot, giving you the schematics and things like that, um, I just don't see how that, that's going to change. But we'll right. see. Well, it'll be interesting to see how the different manufacturers um, do the, you know, how, how their designs end up being. Service uh, or in friendly. terms of service, exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, there are some companies like uh, 
where you're supposed to have a third arm to be able yeah. to do that right repairs, right so. now yeah and, and right now induction cooktops are not servicer friendly so hopefully mm -hmm. that's going to change i have no idea what what's uh, right what the inside scoop is with the uh, wolf cooktop hopefully i'll right. be able to get some of that get some insight and share with everybody right and so this is all pretty new if any of you guys out there have worked on different brands it'd be fun to get feedback on that yeah let us know give us a comment yeah. um, leave it in our youtube channel uh, send us an email whatever so. yeah all right my all right. third and final item and uh this is <laughs> revealing a little bit of my juvenile <laughs> sense of humor <laughs> it's the italian uh manufacturer smeg well the name like smeg you <laughs> better be good uh, <laughs> I know. I did, I know. Did nobody say that maybe that wouldn't play so well here in, in I, America? I know. But... Where were their marketing people when they came up with that name? But uh, I know. So it's almost they're... it's almost X rated or R rated to say that. Uh, you know, but <laughs> I don't know. But I guess they're counting on their <laughs> unique, stylish European looks. Um, it, the this article is just talking about how they've got new distribution territory. Uh, predominantly in the South, uh, is the South and, and Southwest. I've seen them um, down in South Carolina. Right. Yeah. Yep. It's all the sort of Southeast through Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, and they're very uh, unique, stylish looking uh, European appliances. It will be a, interesting to see if they make headway. Yeah. There again, though, getting technical information on SMAG appliances is, mm -hmm. uh, from what I've seen, is next to impossible. We've had a few right. techs uh, looking for information on it at Appliantology. And, you know, it's, it looks like it's another one of those. If you're not a warranty servicer for them, you, you just can't get it. And trying to find some the right person to get a hold of is um, difficult to find as well. So Right, right. We shall see. We'll see how those Italian appliances play out. Yes, we will. Um, all right. So firing your customer. Are we ready to talk about that? Some tricky stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and what uh, precipitated all of this is that um, we actually were going to be sort of relating an experience that we had recently in our service business. Um, and we thought, oh, might be a good topic to talk about mm -hmm. and share with our brethrens out there in terms of how we, I think, maybe stumbled through it a little bit. And, uh, but, and what we've learned in dealing with this, um, right. you know, first of all, I want to preface all of this by saying that, first of all, you need to be doing business according to a system. So I'm not, I'm not talking about just a pricing system, although that you need to have that uh, nailed down as well, whether you're doing flat rate or uh, time materials, whatever, that needs to be a system and it needs to be publicly disclosed, you know, what your, what your rates are or what rate system you use, whether if you like mm -hmm. we use a flat rate. We say we'll go in, we'll troubleshoot it, and then quote the repair up front, and the customer can approve it or not. So obviously, we can't say what the flat rates are for every little sing single thing. We don't do that. But mm -hmm. if you're doing time materials, you need to go ahead and, and say that and have a system and stick to it. That's one thing. Your your rate structure yeah, needs to be a system. But we're not just talking about that. We're talking about um, your whole system for delivering your services to your customer. We're talking about contacts, how they contact you, how you schedule it and what your payment terms are. So not just what right. your pricing structure is, but what are your payment terms? In other words, do you invoice for services? Um, if so, to whom do you offer this um, invoicing offer to? Everybody or uh, just to particular certain commercial customers? And also when should mm -hmm. the invoice be paid? Or is all of your work COD? Um, and is that fully disclosed? Do people know about this before they even contact you? 
Um, what if the owner, and if you do COD, what if the owner won't be there, but a third party is going to be there to let you in? And right. So now, then how does the decision get made to, you know, if, if you as a servicer have the part on hand and you're ready to do the repair? See, this gets, this gets tricky. This gets tricky. Yeah. So bottom line here is you have to have a system in place because if you're not doing business, delivering your services, I'm talking about, according to a clearly defined and publicly disclosed system, this, this sends a message, sends actually two messages um, to customers who are out there looking to abuse you, and they, they do exist. There are customers out there who are just looking to see what can they get over on you. And so you need to have a system that helps protect you and fully discloses and, and uh What's that uh, term? There's uh, upfront uh, disclosure, full, full disclosure. disclosure, full disclosure. Yes. So, and and if you're not doing that, then you're you're actually sending two messages to these shark type customers that do exist out there. One, you're saying I'm a small time chump, and two, you're also saying that you can abuse me. I'm easy to abuse. Right. There's also actually a a third option there, and one is, uh, I mean, that is that. It gives them a chance. If you've explained your system, you know your system, and mm -hmm. you explain it up front then hopefully the people who aren't real crazy about some aspect of that system will just go away and never right. become a problem. Um, so, you know, they might not be a bad person or out to get you, but for whatever reason, they have a different expectation of who, what kind of company they want to do. Right. With. So as an so. example, I mean, we, all of our services delivered COD. We say that up front and mm -hmm. it's all on our website. And we tell that to people, um, whether we contact, whether they contact us by phone or email. So there's no ambiguity about that. So, but then you get people, oh, you don't bill or invoice, and they all they almost get offended by, well, this is standard uh, business practice. Standard for who? I right. mean, why should I? I don't even know you, and you're expecting me to extend you credit. That's effectively what they're asking for. I mean, you go to a bank and get a loan; they're going to do all kinds of background checks on you. So it's just kind of crazy. If you're the established business in the area, and somebody's calling you to deliver services to them. Well, then they will pay by our system uh, when we're done, uh, right. com when we've completed the service call and not, you know, we'll send you an invoice. Uh, I know a lot of um, other trades do this, plumbers, electricians in some areas of the country will do this, just send an invoice after the fact. But and that, right. that's fine. Maybe they've maybe they got bigger tickets. Um, your average appliance uh, repair ticket is maybe 250 bucks. So. Right. And if you take credit cards, particularly, I mean, we use Square to process credit cards. We can process them anywhere. There's really no excuse for people just not paying the bill mm -hmm. when they're done. Unless right. they're going to pull a fast one. Oh, I'm not going to be there, but um, I'm going to have my property manager let you in or my next door neighbor will let you in. Well, then you need to make other payment arrangements with them. And, and then all of a sudden, if at that point it becomes a, um, a sticking point for them, then maybe you start thinking about, oh, well, I'm sorry. It looks like we, maybe we're not the right customer for you. And this is maybe part of the mistake that we made. The right company in this particular, The right company. What did I say? Yeah. Customer. <laughs> Maybe we're not the right company for you. So, um, and I think uh, that's part of the mistake that we made in this experience. You want to tell, give a little background on our recent experience <laughs> with a customer sure. that we tried to fire. And yeah. uh, because we realized that, you know, it, it wasn't good. This guy was arguing with us along the way about our whole business system. Red flags were going off. Right. And we should have early on in the process. Um, you know, there's a way to do it to nicely just fire the customer. It's not just like, hey, you're, you're a jerk. Um, get out of here. And uh, right. there's a way to do it so that it doesn't make them angry. And then they come and vindictively still give you a one-star review. And that's Which what is happened to us. exactly what so happened with us. Just right. re recap, I kind of took your thunder a little bit. but 
That's okay, honey. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> um, and, and first, I just wanted to say, I think most people listening understand the concept of why occasionally you need to fire a customer. Um, and, and we're going to link to an article that we think is really good. And it, it starts out describing that yeah. concept. Why occasionally is it good business practice? Well, to let me throw out another saying customer. too. Hold that thought. Mm-hmm. And because there's, there's a saying out there, it's an old time saying, I think it's been mostly discredited now, but the, the customer is always right. Well, no, the customer is not always right if they're not the right customer. And that's mm-hmm. what your business system has helps, uh, helps you sort through is, am I dealing with the right customer? They know how right. I do business. Is it, maybe they're not the right customer for our business. Right. And so that's what you need to identify early on. Um, so yeah, right. the customer isn't reasons. always right if they're not the right mm-hmm. customer. So I'm exactly. sorry I interrupted you. Go ahead. No problem. <laughs> so this, this particular customer contacted us via email, which we encourage. We, we like to do a mm-hmm. lot of just email communications. Then we have a, one advantage, and it worked out really well in this case, is we have a written record of what was said. <clears throat> and the issue with this guy is he said where his home was and what the problem was. And I was going back and forth because he wanted some um, general pricing. It it looked like a a lightning strike had blown out a couple of control boards more than likely in in his kitchen appliances. So it was a place in our local service area, you know, a a house. And we thought, look, we're thinking he lives there. Right. At the last minute, literally the night before the appointment we had set up, literally, he said, oh, you need to contact By the way, this person, our property manager, who will let you in. Because we don't so, live there. We live in another state, right. a complete another, a, a different yes. state altogether. Of course, we've never met this guy. Keep in mind, again, we've never even heard from this right. guy. So he, he contacts you by email. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, right. and then he tells us that literally the day before, oh, yeah, right. um, I won't be there. Got to contact our property manager. Turns out he lives in Massachusetts. Uh, right. Um, this is a, a rental. Now it's... The, or it's his we, summer home, we, whatever it is, right. but it's not his full-time we, home. Exactly. We thought about maybe not going, but then we thought, well, it's a nice home, nice appliances. It's on the lake. You know, the, this is an area we like to, to work in. So, mm-hmm. okay, well, let, we've already got it set up. The woman he told me about was easy to get in touch with. So I said, okay, we'll do it. So the whole thing kept progressing. And I explained to him also, as soon as I knew that, how that we asked for pre- payment up front, that. Right. And so he, he paid us our service call fees, the diagnostic fees, ahead mm-hmm. before you went out to diagnose. Went through that whole process, got back in touch with him with the actual repair costs and the estimates, and he chose to go forward with one of the repairs. And, and so based I on said, our recommendation fine. from our troubleshooting, didn't go mm-hmm. forward with the other repair. It just right. wasn't cost effective to do it. That was our recommendation to him. We actually went out and yep. troubleshot both of these appliances, gave him estimates on both, recommended he do one but not the other. Yep. And he agreed with that. So I explained that we'd put the part on order, that we would need half a deposit before special ordering this part, and that he would need to pay the full amount for the repair before you go back. And I said, if you're going to be there for when he goes back, then you can just pay the, the, the final balance then. Otherwise, I'll invoice you ahead of time. He said, I'll do half now and half then. So I'm thinking he's going to be there. Well, when it comes time, the part's in. <laughs> And all that. Then he says, "Surprise! I won't be there." And I think the standard business practice is you'll pay me after you finish the repair. Yeah, now the irony here is, you know, he's telling us about standard business practice. About, mm-hmm. of course, we fully disclose uh, what our, all our, our work is COD. The irony here is he's telling us about standard business practice: get paid after, you know, send an invoice. He runs a hotel. Right. When was the last time you stayed in a hotel? 
and they didn't run your credit card and have it on file before you mo- walked into your room. Right. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> hypocrite so, much? <laughs> all of that combined with the fact that it turns out he had given us wrong information about the appliance to begin with. It, it, you didn't oh, have it, 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 the whole thing it, was starting to go south. And we just thought, you know what? The part he re- he needed was on back order. We weren't going to be able to do this in the time frame he wanted. He had already pushed back and was unhappy. So we decided to end the relationship and give him all his money back. Right. Even for the diagnostic work. 100% refund. And that's our policy. If mm-hmm. someone's not happy with us, they're 100% refund. But so, we made two mistakes in this. Um, one, we didn't fire him earlier in that process. As soon as we got a whiff of taint with this guy, right. we didn't fire him earlier. And two... And that's hard because you always think, well, maybe it'll turn out all yeah. right. And two is we didn't uh, fire him correctly. There is a mm-hmm. way to fire a customer without... Um, even if you're going to refund them, uh, there's a way to fire them... Um, without uh, inspiring them to become vindictive or spiteful, and right. there's so you got to do the soft shoe. You still, even if it's done by email, you know. Oh, it looks like we're we're just not going to be able to meet your expectations. We're, we well, really apologize, right? And we did, how did we do? Oh, we we just well, kind of stated the matter of fact. We weren't mean or anything. We weren't rude no, in the email to them. But, but we tried to. I, I, we were thinking that the less we said, the better. And I think that yes. was our mistake. That's now, right. That's right. That's what we, yeah. we actually, because this is a kind of a new experience for us um, mm-hmm. in, in trying to fire a customer that where it had progressed this far. And we were thinking, ah, make him whole, give him all his money back, 100% of his money back, make him whole. And he'll, he'll go on and find somebody else and be somebody else's pain in the ass. But it right. turns out that that's, you can't just do that and still avoid a one-star review. Right. Yes. Cause he, he gave us a one-star review and twisted the details of the story enough to make it sound like we had surprised him with these things like, Oh, you're going to have to pay up front. And he used phrases like we were holding him hostage and he had to give in to the way we did things. And and that's to be expected. Somebody who's going to post, go to the trouble to post a vindictive review. They're going to twist things to strengthen their case and bolster it because the whole point for them posting a vindictive review is to make you look bad. It's right. just so, to spite you. It's just to hurt you, exactly. hurt your business. So they're going to do whatever it does to strengthen that case. Right. So the, this article we talked about earlier about how to fire your customers, they, uh, they give you these items of how to do it and a few examples. And Good article, a lot yeah. of it is, yeah, just be positive and appreciative. Even if you are firing them, just say, well, we appreciate you using our service um, don't make any personal attacks on them and you shouldn't start sentences with you, you know, to the customer, you did this or that instead mm-hmm. say, reframe it. Like we weren't the right company for you, or it seems like this, blah, blah, you the know, old just, soft shoe, you know, it, you got- it's, it's not dynamic writing. You know, people who write are trying to use more active yeah. uh, ways of writing, but when you're trying to not inflame somebody, cause they're already irritated, they're maybe having a terrible day. Who knows? You want to just, not put any wind in their sails. Um, right. And, and find a way, if you can, to apologize, not to make up something like, you know, if you really didn't do anything wrong, but to say, I'm sorry if you didn't understand the way we worked. We, we tried, yeah. you know. Not a, not a, yeah, right, exactly. Not apologizing for the way that you do business because there's nothing to apologize for there if you've got a business system that, that has worked for you. But you're apologizing instead for a, like a misunderstanding or that, right. uh, that we weren't able to meet his expectations. 
well, right. uh, as unreasonable as they were. I mean, there's, 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 there are things that you can express a sincere apology about, um, and all in an attempt to quench the flame. So that they won't post the review. And now, interestingly, so if they do go on, because occasionally you just get a really nasty person who is just, no matter what you've done, is intent on lashing back out because mm -hmm. they're, they're upset some, for some reason. So some of these same techniques can be used uh, for people who choose to respond to the right. negative review, if we want to shift on to that. Yes, uh, I think because we kind of struggle with this one. This is a very unique situation for us. We've never had a situation where we, first of all, it's very rare that we've ever refunded 100%. We have um, in, in the past, and it's always uh, like a silver bullet for avoiding any kind of customer flame. Right. You make somebody whole, you take the wind out of their sails. I mean, you give them back their money. What do they have to complain about? But right. you, there are nasty people out there. There are people mm -hmm. out there just looking to torpedo your business. And you have to sort of be on the lookout for that. So then there are, so it was, we struggled with this. How do we, how did we respond to this guy? And we went through actually several iterations. Um, and I think we stumbled around with it a little bit because mm -hmm. we weren't experts. And I think we finally came up with something that, um, um, we're, we're pretty, pretty comfortable with, and it doesn't right. make us look bad in a, in a uh, on the review page. And, uh, but it's, it does, it sets the record straight. And it also, in our case, we actually then created a uh, customer review page at our service or website where we were just laying out in detail, all the facts, including the emails and everything else. But again, not, right. not name calling or anything like that. Just simply setting the record straight, if anybody was that interested in researching mm -hmm. you and finding out what was going on, they, that there's a link right there in the review that they can go to and see. Um, right. Not all servicers will have access to editing, editing their website, or it's not easy for a lot of guys to do, but there are other ways to do that if, uh, if people are interested more in getting more of a web presence. You don't even have to know coding. You, know, you do something like Tumblr, and you can set up a uh, uh, post at a uh, free Tumblr blog, T-O-T-U-M-B-L-R, dot com. Mm -hmm. Set up a free blog there and where you lay out your story and then you can link to right. that. So it won't do yeah. any coding at all. But to, so go down what we've done, uh, how we finally ended up with our review, maybe just the highlights of what we, how we right. settled out. Well, and as most of you probably know, um, because this has been a big topic of conversation for several years among uh, businesses, is Any, how to handle negative online Anytime it comes reviews. up at Appliantology, I mean, it's, I it's a very viewed topic and it gets lots it, of replies. It is. It's a tricky thing. It's a tricky thing to calm yourself down and not be, yeah. you know, upset. Because a lot of times it is unjust. Way. I mean, you have customers mm -hmm. out there. They're just, a lot of them are just like children. And, and the way and their expectations and, and then the, the way they lash out. I mean, it, it's like it's like grammar school. It's like dealing right. with a little kid sometimes throwing a tantrum. And right. so you have to sort of be the adult and uh, sort of manage these people mm -hmm. and manage their responses and, and recognize that when you post the review, you're not really posting it for him. You're mm -hmm. posting it for other eyeballs that come along later and are checking them right. out. Well, that's exactly what I was getting to is that you, you write it to um, – with all those other eyeballs in mind. And mm -hmm. most of them are coming along not knowing, you know, who you are, who that customer is. So it's a he said, she said type of thing where they don't know who to side with. And so you need to come across as positively as you can. And um, a lot of uh, people used to say that you shouldn't reply at all. Or if you did, it should be very short, like, oh, please contact us and we'll try to make you happy. It seems like the thinking on that is evolving a little bit to mm -hmm. if there are 
uh, and we're not covering all types of bad reviews. We'll just stick with kind of what happened with us and maybe in a different podcast, we can go over other types of bad reviews. But in our case, he misstated some facts. So it's definitely appropriate to restate the facts as they are accurate and or in an accurate way. Well, you were telling me about, uh, for example, like was it Walmart that there is this these no free e- shots. There's yes, there's this evolving um, consensus <laughs> now, and and to some extent, this is kind of an echo chamber. Somebody says something, and everybody echoes it around. That seems to give it credence when maybe there really is no um, factual basis for for doing that. Well, Walmart of of all places now they're starting to realize why are we letting these people take free shots at us and and just say these things about us? We need right. to respond to this. Right. And, and set the record straight. Exactly. But the responses still need to adhere to those things we were talking about right. in terms of how to fire your customer. Mm-hmm. They need to be positive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ex- you can disagree. You can lay out the facts as they happened. And if you have supporting evidence like emails, that's helpful. But briefly mm-hmm. lay out the, the actual facts of the case. And the other thing to, to bring in that is proving to be effective is if you can use humor. Um, and, and we did a little something like that in our, uh, well, go ahead and, go ahead and say, right. Because so this guy, you know, for zero money, you know, since he got a hundred percent refund, he got two professional diagnoses. He made a decision on one appliance based on that. Based on our the recommendations. Other, right. The other part he needed was on back order. So no time was lost. He asserted that two weeks were wasted, but he lost zero, policy. gained everything. In, this, in his interaction and with yet, us, he was totally, he ended right. up better off than where he was uh, exactly. before he dealt with us. And we were polite, easy to get a hold of, all that kind of good stuff. And he gives us a one-star review. So we asked something like, you know, if he gives a, that kind of service a one-star review, what does he do for businesses who actually do either rip them off or have inferior products or services? Does he hire a hitman? Yeah. You know, I mean, so, how do you so get worse a, than a one-star review? Because it puts it in perspective on how absurd it is to, and it, it, it sort of, anybody comes along and reads that goes, hey, yeah, wait a minute. Because people may yeah. not be thinking that. Keep in mind, when people, most people out there, there's this weird kind of, psychology in America today that if you're a business owner, you're out to screw them. You're, yeah. you're out to try to get them. There's this weird kind of Marxism that seeped into the American. It used to be very business friendly. Most people in America used to be small business owners. Now most people are employees. And right. so they have that sort of employee mentality. I want to get over on that company because they're making the big bucks. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Servicers, we're right. making yeah. the big woo, bucks. Woo, yeah. <laughs> so you need to... Um, First of all, recognize that that they're, they're, you people are coming to their you're automatically in many cases behind the eight ball because they're see, because you're the business and he's just a little guy he's the customer so he mm-hmm. must be always right right because the customer is always right yeah you know, how long ago did that die out like twenty years ago and businesses finally started yeah. rising up and realized there's some people that state worth dealing with you're fired. Right. And so, right, that take up too many resources. Right, and and that's that's the current state of the thinking right now is that you don't try to be all things to all people. You can't afford to, right. and so that, that's recognizing that people that come to your review site are already seeing you in a negative light. It's kind of helpful to use humor first of all to help defuse and detensify, mm-hmm. but also to point out something that should be obvious to them. That, right. Wait a minute, this guy's giving them a one star review. And right. he got inf- professional information and 100% refund. Yeah. What deserves a one star? What's he going to do? What, can he give a negative review, a negative one star, right. a negative five star review, whatever? It's, I mean, he's gone as low as you can go. Right. <laughs> so, right. 
So how, what do you do when, the, when, when a company really does rip you off? So yeah, it, it, use humor to point out the absurdity of the situation. Right. That's, that's what we ended up doing. Without looking like you're you're going after him, right? Without mocking him, him. I'm not saying you're not yeah. mocking and and that kind of thing. You're you're pointing out the absurdity of the situation, right. not of the customer per se, although of the customer by association, but more in parentheses, right? right? So yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, this is all really interesting stuff. And yeah, it's it's very tricky, and it's and, a moving uh, target. It's an evolving mm -hmm. field. So don't just take some advice that you heard five years ago about how to respond to review. And think, well, that's what we need to keep doing. Mm -hmm. And looks like your screen just got darker for some reason. <laughs> there, just... you're a little better now. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, anyway. Anyway, so that was our uh, recent experience in dealing with that. And then somebody else had asked at our YouTube channel, um, how do you deal with uh, unreasonable customers? That is, a customer who's unhappy with the appliance, even though it's operating as it was designed. So, yeah. you know, if somebody calls you, first of all, I would try to uh, ferret that out with them on the phone. We do, we do. We try either by mm -hmm. email or by phone. But so the situation here is somebody calls and they're, they have a complaint about the appliance and you go on out on it. You run it through diagnostics, you run it through the test. It's, it's not filling a lot with water. Well, like, like a lot of new high efficiency top loaders doesn't fill a lot by design. That's the whole energy star thing. And a customer's not happy with that. I mean, right. just to use that as like a common example for with the high efficiency washers. A lot of complaints that it just it only fills in a few inches of water. Well, yeah, because you bought an Energy Star top load washer. That's that's what you're getting. But I don't like that. I want you to make it so it fills faster. <laughs> well, so they want you to, to in effect, change the way you know the, the machine's operating within specs. But they want you to change that. They do a field engineering modification so that it fills with more water. That's like a, right. a, a just an obvious example of that. But what do you do in that case? So, you know, you, you go there. Once you're there, you're, you're kind of stuck and you're going dark again. That is so weird. Uh, I think the clouds are coming in and out. Uh, could be, a, yeah, because it's definitely <laughs> affecting the, uh, yeah. the tinting on your face. But anyway, um, so once you're already there, you're, you're kind of, um, you've got a customer perception issue on your hands. Right. Do you still take money from them for the service call? Well, are you risking a bad review? Because Oh, he came out, told me he couldn't fix the washer. This is what they would say. He came out, I called with a complaint. He comes out, couldn't fix the washer and still took money from me. Right. I'm suspecting most of these cases, you've just got to bite the bullet and not collect a service call fee. Or, yeah, and that's, that's what we would do. Um, I have done that. Just like, okay, mm -hmm. no charge. But, you know, it's like a customer education. They hate doing it. But... Um, Sometimes it's hard to get them to accept that they still owe you a service call fee because you scheduled time just for them. I know. The better thing to do is to try to ferret out what, mm -hmm. suss out in detail what their problem is on the phone or by email, however you're communicating right. with them, before you even schedule the call. And we have we do a lot of that now. We, of course, we, we've been at this for over 20 years. So we've had a lot of experience getting it dialed in, and we always pre-diagnose before we go out. So, in my if, so Susan could be talking with someone and and schedule a call, and I look at it and I'm looking at my pre-diagnosis. Go, hum, did you check with this guy on this setting, or do you know that it's only right. supposed to fill with a few inches of water in this machine, and that's their complaint? Um, you need to communicate with right. them on this. 
or and any of those vague washability complaints yes. with either a washer or a dishwasher. We're going to suggest a lot, a lot of things. kinds of things we want them to do first. Right, exactly. Yeah. We're going to suggest, we're going to ask them what kind of detergent they're using. Is the water hot? I mean, are they washing with hot or warm water? I mean, all these kinds of things that do affect washability. Right. So, yeah, right. there, there are things that's unfortunately there's not a real good solution other than trying to prevent the situation in the first place. And it takes a really good CSR to do that. And baby, you're one of the best. <laughs> of course, you had one of the funny or well, it's funny in hindsight experiences with this type of thing where. It was a wine cooler that was actually malfunctioning. Oh, yes. Oh, and getting man. colder than it was supposed to get. This right? was a sub-zero wine cooler. Yes. And, so a high uh, dollar wine cooler. Another customer on the lake. Another mm -hmm. one who lives in Massachusetts normally. So At least he lived at this place. I, I'm pretty no, sure. No, just during the summer. Right. But he, I mean, he, you know, he was but, there when you. Yeah, he was there. So yeah, when we did the service call. Well, the second time. Not, the, not when we actually mm -hmm. did the repair. But yes, this is a sub-zero. Now, wine coolers, by design, are meant to only operate within a narrow temperature that's relatively warm for storing food. It's like in the 40s, in the mid to upper 40s, maybe to lower 50s. That's the right. range that they're meant to, and you read it right in the sub-zero uh, spec manual for this product. And it says, this is its operating temperature range. Well, what had happened on this one is that it was, because the, the cold control was defective, the contacts were actually fused closed so the compressor was running all the time mm -hmm. so it was running colder than it was designed so they were able to keep beers cold in right there. they got used to keeping all their beer yeah. and sodas in there it's a, wow this is great i got this glass front little half height wine cooler yeah. here we just keep our cans of beer in there and stuff go hang out on the deck well then at some point the cold control failed and just failed open so then it wasn't coming on at all it wasn't getting warm right. wasn't getting cold at all staying warm that's when they called us in to fix it. So right. we we get we always use OEM parts. So of course I think on this you can only use OEM parts. So I got the Sub Zero, the original uh, authorized OEM Sub Zero part, put it in. Now it was operating according to specifications in that temperature range. Get a call back. It's just not cold enough. Yeah. So we go back out and check it, and and I'm, I'm looking at it. It's running. It's operating. It's not a sealed system issue or anything like that. It's operating according to how Sub-Zero designed this product. I right. even called Sub-Zero tech support there in the customer's house, had them talk to the customer and, and showed them in the PDF where it, of the user's manual where it says what the temperature range is. Customer was still not happy. Right. <laughs> there's a case of- You fixed we're just, it, but you broke it at the same time. There's a case of what we were just talking about with going to that um, very good question we had on our YouTube channel that we were talking about with the wa washer that doesn't fill enough. This is another illustration of that, uh, right. where now the product is, is operating within specs, but they're not happy with it. And guess what? Right. You were the last one to touch it. You're to blame. Right. So, and I, I suspect that there was probably no way for us to catch this ahead of time. I mean, the fact that they were keeping beer in it, would we have thought? No, we probably wouldn't have. I, I don't think we could have prevented this. And I think only, they... the only I was thinking about that. Um, the only way, thing I could have done is it, had I myself been more familiar with the operating spec and thought then to make them aware of it. Okay, now you're, right. you're, you're, you know that right now it's, it, it was operating out of specs if you were keeping beer cold in it. This unit is designed to work, it's right in the owner's manual, designed to work within this temperature range, which will not mm -hmm. be cold enough for, for pleasing beer. Um, and are maybe, you good with that? 
you know, and who knows? Could have, should have, would have, you know. <laughs> we, I, I doubt anybody would have really thought of that. I mean, who knows how cold we they like their beer? You well, plus that, when so. we got called in, it was warm. It had stopped sure. cooling. Oh, altogether. it had definitely broken, right? Yeah. So I, I think, and I think they talked to Sub Zero. They know that was the correct answer, but they weren't happy <laughs> with it. And by association, we're not sure how happy they were with us. Yeah. Now he you didn't know, go on can, and right. he didn't leave a vindictive review, but no. uh, he just he, that customer has not called us again probably so, not a cheerleader probably not a cheerleader yes and, you know what are you gonna do you can't it's, win them all no uh, you're just you can you can try to set up a, and do business according to a system where you are offering a convenient and professional mm -hmm. service and most people who are reasonable are going to recognize that and appreciate that but you've got people you got sharks out there who are looking to torpedo and then you got people who are just plain unreasonable and uh, they, they do, just don't like the product the way it was designed. And because and you were the last one to touch it, you're, that's, that's unreasonable. Right. So, all right. So um, I think we're done with that. I just wanted to wrap up with some MST news, Master Samurai Tech Academy news. Um, yep. We've got some webinars uh, coming up. Uh, July 18th is our next uh, webinar. Right. So it won't we're be on next our week. summer schedule. Yes. So it won't be next week. But it'll be the following week, July 18th, and it'll be open Q&A right now, unless, there's, unless uh, anybody has a particular burning topic they'd like to go over, a tech sheet or something like that, then send it on in to me, and uh, we will get that on the slate to talk about in the webinar. That makes for some really good webinars when people have sent in some tricky it really does. situations, and they send you the schematic ahead of time. Well, and, we know people and, are interested. Yeah. That We know it's mm -hmm. a topic that people are going to be interested in. We can go through right. it and because we can put the schematic right up on the screen where everybody can see it, and then we can talk about it. We can annotate it, trace out the circuit. I mean, whatever we got to do to make it understandable to people. Right. Um, the, the, um, just wanted to point out, too, that all of our webinars, uh, topics, and times, we always announce that in our newsletter. And if you're not on our newsletter, it's free. You just go to mst.buzz.buzz, mst.buzz, mm -hmm. sign up for our newsletter. You can keep uh, stay in the loop on the upcoming webinars as well as any other events, both at Master Samurai Tech and at Appliantology that uh, you may be, may be interested in wanting, and want to keep up with. Um, right. And also, if you are a professional Appliantologist member at Appliantology or if you're a Master Samurai Tech student, you have access to all of the past webinar recordings at both places um, or at either place, depending on your affiliation with us. Exactly. That makes sense? Yes. <laughs> all right. So and then uh, we got uh, just a reminder that we have new free and fun short courses out there on Internetology and Appliantology 101. We've had a lot of really good feedback on that. A lot of people have taken that. But yeah. both those courses, like, yeah, like the, the, they're dozens popular. and dozens. <laughs> I mean, I seriously, it's, it's a lot of yeah. them getting it like every day. People are taking those courses and we're getting really good feedback on it, too, because the Internet, Internetology um, course, we cover like basic things because what we found out that a lot of techs, they stumble around with the Internet. It's kind of a this, this overwhelming thing. And it is if you don't have any kind of like weighed in introduction to it. And that's kind of what we're doing with the plan with the internetology course and right. things like what's a browser and how you get around copying and pasting and simple things like that. Free, totally free over at mastersamuraitech.com. Uh, and then appliantology 101, just explaining to people uh, the ins and outs, how to use appliantology, how to search, post topics, that kind of thing. Right. Um, so and then we have a samurai tech check that is free as well. That's not a course. It's, it's more course, of a resource. Yeah. It's a, yeah. it's an, a quiz. Yeah, Quiz that, you can that use helps to, to assess assess a current tech that if you're an employer that you're that you have work uh, you have a tech 
that's currently working for you. You want to see what are his training needs uh, right now. Or if you're considering hiring someone and they are right. holding themselves out to you as an experienced tech with 10, 20 years experience, what do they really know and what are their training needs? Well, right. Which is something we can definitely help out with. Yes. So, um, and then, uh, so I reminded of the newsletter, mst.buzz, and I think that's it. That's a wrap. That is a wrap. All right. Well, listen, uh, thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. If you hung in there all this time, hope it was interesting to you and helpful to you. Um, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, mastersamuraitech.tv. Uh, and, you know, tell your friends about it. Tell your, leave a review. Tell your friends, whatever. Just get the word out if you liked it. And uh, we encourage comments and suggestions, mm -hmm. topics you'd like us to talk about. A lot of stuff we talked about today came, well, out of our own experience. But it also, we know that this is a, um, these are interesting topics to a lot of techs. Right. They're kind of an emerging thing going on. comes up um, a lot over at Appliantology. In the, it does, in the with some regularity. Forums, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it right. seems to me it was appropriate for us to do a podcast, vodcast on Independence Day because yes. we are all about independence, independence from tech lines, yep. right? That's what we are here for. You can We're, become your own tech line. That's right. That's, what, that's a big objective in our training. And so you don't have to walk in. I know we know companies in our area here where they, and we hear this from customers. As soon mm -hmm. as they walk in, they don't even bother looking at the schematic because they don't know how to read the schematic. They walk in and then they, they're immediately on the phone to TechLine. Regardless right. of the brand or the problem, that's the first thing they do. Now, maybe that's because the, the guy they have running calls doesn't have any training whatsoever. But that's with training, like. you don't need the tech line. You can just look at the schematic and the specs and figure out what's going on and, and actually troubleshoot like a human. And that's what we teach people how to do. The, the long lost skill of circuit. Foo. Yes. So, all right. So, um, again, thanks, everybody, for... Um, tuning in and for listening. And we, again, are at mastersamuraitech.com and appliantology.org. And so until next time, sayonara and happy Independence Day. Yes. And, and sayonara. Bye.